I'd invite you to pray with me. Gracious and holy God, we are so grateful for the gift of your son Jesus and the fact uh, that through him we get such a picture of who you are um, and who we're called to be. God, we thank you for uh, the gift of Jesus' life and ministry um, in which he taught us so much, revealed so much to us. Um, and God, as we listen uh, to more of his teaching this day, uh, Lord, we just ask that you would just open us to be receptive um, to the lessons you have for us in it, um, to hear the call uh, that comes to us through it, um, as we all seek, O oh Lord, uh, to serve you faithfully um, in this life and in this world. It's in your name we ask these things. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 21. Let us listen for God's word for us this day. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news about him <clears throat> spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been raised. On the Sabbath, he went to the synagogue, synagogue as he normally did and stood up to read. The synagogue assistant gave him the scroll from the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind to liberate the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the synagogue assistant, and sat down. Every eye in the synagogue was fixed on him. He began to explain to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled just as you heard it. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. It is fitting that as we come to the end of our sermon series four, that we find ourselves at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, as Jesus is just beginning his earthly ministry. Before our scripture today, Jesus has just been baptized, receiving the power of the Holy Spirit, and is then sent into the wilderness to contend with Satan, the adversary, the one who represents evil, alive, and working in our world. After Jesus manages the temptations of the wilderness, our scripture begins, detailing his travels throughout Galilee, where he taught in synagogues and healed in the Spirit's power as well. He's well-received everywhere he goes, being praised along the way. Then he comes to his hometown, where he grew up, and his teaching continues, as he attends synagogue on the Sabbath day, as he normally did, Scripture tells us. Jesus is handed the scroll of Isaiah and reads from it words that come from both Isaiah 58 and Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed, 
and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It is fitting that we hear these words that are first, the first recorded words of Jesus' teaching in the Gospel of Luke on this last day of our sermon series. For in them we hear Jesus proclaim for whom he has come. As Luke's Gospel unfolds from here, we will watch Jesus' words proved true. He says to the gathered congregation, Today these words have been fulfilled just as you have heard it. Luke uses this teaching moment in Nazareth to introduce and frame Jesus' ministry from here. As the story of Luke's gospel unfolds, we will watch good news come to the poor, release to prisoners, sight restored for the blind, liberation granted to the oppressed. Jesus does this so often through individual encounters. He meets heals, restores, blesses the people who God leads across his path. But those individual account encounters also serve a larger communal purpose. All of those individual changes work together to challenge and change what is happening collectively, to make clear the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world. Jesus speaks these words at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke and then proceeds to live them throughout his earthly ministry. It is these words, first spoken and then enacted, that end up leading Jesus to the cross. He is such a threat to what is, to the current order of things, to the kingdoms of this world, that those in power over them desire to eliminate this threat to their position in the world. The Oxford Language Dictionary tells us that to oppress someone is to keep them in subservience and hardship, especially by unjust exercises of authority. An oppressed person is someone who is subject to harsh and authoritarian treatment or as Merriam-Webster defines it, someone who is burdened by abuse of power or authority. In the Roman world of Jesus' time, there were whole classes of people who suffered this reality. As the era of Pax Romana, Roman peace, was maintained through heavy taxation of not just Roman citizens, but also the lowest classes who had no political voice or power in Roman society that was maintained through military and violent might. As Michael Fontaine, professor at Cornell University, writes, right around the time Jesus was born, ancient Rome's 500-year-old republic failed. Its traditions of representative elections, checks and balances, tolerance and Freedoms of movement and expression were swept away, never to recover. In their place rose the Roman Empire, an increasingly authoritarian or, and Orwellian structure that saw state-sponsored persecutions of minorities, artists, and dissidents at home, endless foreign wars abroad, and eventually even the requirement for all citizens to believe certain theological prepositions. Jesus came to meet, the individual, meet individual people in the midst of their need, the lost, the poor, the captive, the sick, the immigrant, the oppressed, 
to offer that which would lead them to wholeness in life. Jesus also came to meet the collective, his and our society, in the midst of its need, to point out all that was broken and unjust and not as it should be, and proclaim and embody God's kingdom that brings wholeness and life for all, all people and all of creation. The year of the Lord's favor that Jesus speaks of as he reads the prophet Isaiah comes from the law laid out in Leviticus 25 that dictated that every 50 years in the nation of Israel, there should be a year of jubilee where all debts are forgiven, slaves are set free, and any land that has been bought and sold would return to its original tribal owner. The year of jubilee was a radical year of restoration. It wasn't until my study for this sermon that I learned that there is actually no historical evidence that the year of Jubilee was ever practiced within the nation of Israel. For us humans have always been so very human. Instead of actually describing a practice that took place every 50 years, the year of Jubilee paints a vision of how God longs for our life to be ordered. The kingdom of God is so different than the kingdoms of this world. Yet it is in the kingdom of God and only in that kingdom that life as it is meant to be will ever be realized for any of us, for all of us. But how are we to live in the middle of the kingdoms of this world as citizens of the kingdom of God? We're invited to work for the kingdom in the here and now. That is an invitation I don't think any of us would manage to accept without the power of the Spirit that first rested on Jesus and then Jesus gave to us. Through that Spirit's power, we can join Jesus. We can be part of continuing his earthly ministry as part of his body alive in and for the world. Today, we are having this simple meal of rice and beans that you're invited to join us for after worship, and then we'll be bagging up those rice and beans that we've collected over the course of our series so that it can be distributed in Mission Southside's food co-op program, which serves the food insecure of our area. Through the church, I've had the opportunity to travel to places like El Salvador, Guatemala, Brazil, and Zambia where meat is a luxury, and meals made up of rice and beans are so much more the norm. I've had a chicken killed in my honor more than once. A family's generous hospitality, offering a meal for me they might enjoy only a handful of times a year, if that. I pick up a rotisserie chicken at Costco for only $4.95 practically every time I shop there without a thought. Yet there are people in our own community that do not have funds enough to provide the food they need for their family each month. The rice and beans we will bag today will be distributed and so, to, so, and so, to so many of them, but the need for these rice and beans is unlimited. When I called Mission Southside to inquire about their sign-up process to make sure they still had this need, 
They said they are always in need of these donations. Week in and week out, there are families who require the generosity of others to ensure that they have enough. Jesus invites us to not only respond to the need right in front of us, but to also wonder why. Why are so many people hungry? Why is there a divide between those who have more than enough and those who cannot feed their families? What imbalances, injustices are at work in our world, our society, our systems, our history that help create and maintain these realities? What needs to change? Unlike those in power in Jesus' time, would I be willing to sacrifice what is for those changes to occur? So often, it is when we encounter the need of an individual, a real person, whose name we know and with whom we have a relationship enough to not only know their name, but also their story we begin to understand why life is the way it is for them, that we begin to see our collective ills, we begin to realize the injustice that is at work in the world, and it's then that we are moved, inspired, to bring about change, not only for the one in front of us, but for us all. Throughout history, Key leaders and movements for change have, have espoused this truth. Until we are all free, we are none of us free. We deeply believe that we are all connected. We belong to God and we belong to each other. True freedom will only come for any of us, for all of us, when injustice is no more. And that year of jubilee, when by the Spirit's power, the kingdom comes. And the time between now and then, we're invited to join with the Spirit, to join with Jesus, to know our neighbors, to learn their names and their stories, to share generously of what we have, and to work for a more just world as we await the day when this world of ours will be radically restored. May it be so. Amen.